Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Earlier, I spoke to the artist Mick Mulcahy, right? And those of you who know Mick will know that he is a robust character and he is a robust talker. And look, I think you're really going to enjoy this, but just be warned that he does use language which some of you may find offensive, so be mindful of younger ears. And I'm delighted now to welcome to the show one of our great living artists, the painter Mick Mulcahy. How are you, Michael? Oh, I sent down arm goal my bureau's commit me on shahanish. Okay. Carmel Margot. August Carmel the 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 on show. Um, you had an exhibition marking your seventieth year uh, recently. How did it go? Well, I'm surprised myself that I reached seventy. <laughs> There were fellas betting I'd only reached 30. They lost. 40, they lost. 50, 60. And I surprised myself that I'm still here. Yeah. Do, do you think you'll make 80, 90? Not a bother. I'm an optimist. Yeah, yeah. I suppose you, you, you don't live as hard as you used to live. Is that maybe it? Well, incognito, I shouldn't be saying this, but I have a secret life that nobody knows about. Okay, a, a secret, very virtuous life or a secret life of vice? Debauchery. Debauchery. It's the okay. only interesting thing in life. I, and are you still able for it, Jar? Oh, So... I'm noticing that people get to 70, and particularly people in the world of the arts, and they get kind of more stately and serious and everything. You're, you're, you've decided you're not acting 70 anyway, obviously, yeah? Since the day I was born, I didn't give a monkey's bollocks. Yeah. And the older I get, what is there to fear? Yeah. I don't know. Have you no fear? No. The only fear I have is fire. My father died as a result of fire. After that, I have no fear. How did he die? He fell in his own fireplace, burnt alive. Oh. Yeah? That was that was very distressing uh, for all of you, wasn't it? Yeah. And, I mean, he was 96, head and hearty, compass mentis. Yeah? Tragic accident. Yeah. But you move on. My father always had a great saying, cut the cloth according to the measure. After a successful exhibition in Taylor Galleries about 30 years ago, I bought a bit of land with a a uh, broken-down house, built it up. Yeah, I'm a, a tidy carpenter, a tidy builder. There's great satisfaction of building something. You, know, you can say, I built that, I can live in there. Mm. And it's warm and it's comfortable. So and you built it yourself? I built, more, renovated it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at the educational system today, and what are they doing? They're educating obedient slaves. There's more to life than that. There's not enough emphasis. The physicality, physicality of building something, the satisfaction of that. Yeah? Yeah. That's what Stone Age men and women did. They built their own shelter. Yeah? Okay. Now, I mean, my father had great many phrases and all that sort of carry it on. But one thing, Cut your cloth according to the measure. What you have in your pocket is spent. You're not a slave to the banks, to mortgage, paying the mortgage. Yeah. Huh? Did, did it your house raise society? Yeah. 
Your house burnt down in the yeah. recently, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. It's funny, fire again. Yeah. Yeah. Like most people would never be affected by fire in their whole lives. Your yeah. father and oh, then the house burning down. Yeah. And a, a room full of art and I've been writing short stories for years. Uh, and it, when I was travelling around Papua New Guinea and Australia, slides, you know, photographic evidence of travel. Yeah? yeah. And letters from my father. I ever Really? And I had a library to die for. Yeah? But there's one... I, I thought I was made up. Lovely house, lovely extension, lovely studio, lovely girlfriend. The only thing I have left is the lovely girlfriend, Vera. <laughs> That's all fucking up in flames. OK, we'll stop, we'll stop cursing now. Yeah, um, yeah, sorry about that. So you did, though, spend a year in a Buddhist monastery, didn't you? So did, mm. was the Buddhist in you able to let... Like, even though for most people that would be devastating, their whole life gone in that fire, were you able to let it go, you were? But it's not only the Buddhist thing, it's common sense. Yeah. You know, you live from moment to moment. And you realise that... I mean, for example, time. My father was 96 when he died, hale and hearty, right? Yeah. Brilliant life. Kept himself fit, sailing, interest in politics, took up a little bit of painting, you know? And then the mother died when, when I was 12. You know, sudden brain hemorrhage, boom, gone. So the only thing we have in life is time. Yeah. And we don't know when it'll stop. I mean, there's two examples of the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. A 42-year-old. And then my father, 96. So I'm I, in... Yeah. You know, I'm 70 now, so any day is a blessing. You know, where did the mother dying? How old were you at that stage? Twelve. Does that have a big influence then on the rest of your life? I mean, you could analyse... I mean... It did. You know, it made you sort of realise... You can't take anything for granted. Huh? Yeah. And once you accept that, you're a free man. Okay, so do you ju- you have to accept everything shifting around you all the time. Well, of course, I and, mean, and is, is everyone else just are a lot of people just looking for comfort and security and certainty and all that? But you'd say you can't have that. You can't. I mean, our educational system is built like that. Yeah? Obedient slaves, buy the house, get the mortgage, you're going to live forever. It's complete not a bollocks. Yeah, cursing. Oh, sorry, um, sorry, yeah. sorry. Now, the thing is, though, you came from quite a bourgeois kind of background yourself. No, no, working, you were, the family clan. were well-to-do no, no, drapers. No, no. You went to Klongos no, no, and all no, no. that. Excuse so me, what, was it quite excuse, a bourgeois upbringing? Excuse me. Yeah. My father left school when he was 14. He couldn't read or write. Eh? But he educated himself. He went up to Todd Burns, served his apprentice there, Later on in life, he was OCB of the IRB, Officer in Command of the Irish Brotherhood. So he was a strong man. Yeah. He educated himself. And he ended up to a, a, a well-off uh, draper by the time you were uh, yeah, around. Because yeah, because he started as an apprentice. Yeah. And you had to pay to be an apprentice in those days. But again, he so was he was, he was back to doing something concrete as yeah, well. Yeah, he with was his a self-made man. 
Yeah. So where did you go wrong then? If you went to Clongos and everything, you should have turned out to be a, a respectable pillar of society and maybe a slave as you would have it to bourgeois notions of career and everything else. Where did you diverge from the path? But I thought, Brendan, you had a certain admiration for me. The idea of you saying to me, <laughs> where did you go wrong? I, I, I'm, I being slightly, not, I I'm being slightly Brendan, ironic. Where, Brendan, did, you go, Brendan, where, where Brendan, did you go right is probably Brendan, what I meant to say. I had you offer a big <laughs> chair, a big crown round your head. Yeah. Like another Corcodian like myself. No, Michael, you're, the you, rebel no, you're a huge disappointment to Clongos and the system. Where, so where did it go right then? Where, where, when did the art come onto the scene? Because I followed my dreams. I had self-confidence in myself. At the age of 15, I says to my father, I have no interest in the drapery trade even though we had a ladies' undergarment department up there and I was going to dress as a transvestite and go up there and admire them young girls. No, in Clongos. I got honours Irish. And we had a brilliant art teacher, Paul Fonge, Lord Merson. He set up the first art centre in Ireland. His father was a draper in the main street in, in Gorey. A couple of galvanised sheets at the back of the, the drapery shop. You two played down. I mean, it was the prototype for all art centres right. and arts festivals. And it wasn't arts. I mean, the arts council are great. They, you know, they do this and that. But this was a time when... You know, art festivals, you know, didn't exist, you yeah. know. But he set it up true to lo um, local support. And and had you a talent? He told me I had a talent. He <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be an optimist. Yeah, yeah. OK, yeah. Self-belief. So you went then to the Crawford in in Cork. Yeah. You, did, you didn't last there. But I thought the I thought anyone could last in the Crawford. Like, geez, the guys I knew in the Crawford in my day, like they no, would no, no. they wouldn't have lasted anywhere else. But the Crawford seemed a very liberal regime. No, but what age are you now? If you don't, you can whisper it off. Yeah, I'm seventy. Yeah, I'm I'm you know twenty years younger yeah, than yeah, you. Yeah, there, yeah, there that's a hell of a yeah. long way yeah. in art education. Okay, I mean the Crawford is great now. And it was in the centre of town when it was there, you know? Yeah. We used to go to the Chateau for our lunch. Oh, yeah. Or liquid yeah. lunch at the Chateau. Yeah. But in those days, the Crawford, their retro debt, you know, the reason to be was teacher education. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Educating our teachers. Yes. Yeah. But now it's, it's branched out, you know? I mean, I got a great start there. But you took off. Uh your travels kind of started then, did they? No, no, no. I no. went to the, the College of Art in Dublin then. Okay. And then it was alongside Kildare Street. You know, and it was the time. Student Revolution, Bobby Sands, the hunger strike. You know, very tough time in Ireland at the time, you know? Yeah. And uh, we had a very good foundation here. Learn how to draw, you know? Yeah. Uh, two very good teachers, Paul Funge, Alessandro Ratti. And then I studied sculpture for two years, you know. Yeah. And then took off. And you went off around, kind of around the 
deserts of Africa. Yeah, uh, 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 two years. Walking. Hitchhiking with camels. Yeah. I learned a bit of Arabic. Salam alaikum, alaikum salam, bismillah, akbar. Yeah, in order to travel. I love language. So where did you go? Uh, Morocco and then Spanish Sahara, Mauritania, Senegal, Gambia. Yeah. Uh, I went away with 500 quid and I lasted two years because what I used to, you go into a cafe, you probably, if you were in a place for a while, right? Mm. Get to know the cafe owner. Ah, oh, jeez, there's a blank wall there, but I do a mural. Huh? I did a mural there. He'd passed me on to another fella. Huh? Miles and miles, hundreds of miles. And uh, that, that must have been an extraordinary experience, all of that, was it? What did you take away from all that? Just... I mean, when you do a mural, I did a, a, a big mural in Dungarvan there. Yeah. A friend of mine has a pub restaurant on the quay there, uh, the moorings. It was about 18 foot by 70 foot. Yeah. You know, pirates running amok. You know, big, bold, colour figures, seascapes. And, you know. Yeah. But what's interesting doing that is the dialogue with the people passing by. You know, they're passing by every day and they're yeah. admiring this and what the fuck is that and... I say, Cursing. you know, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah don't let it wreck the flow anyway. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, so it's art out amongst the people and yeah. you're actually. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the feedback. It's the dialogue. Them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the bit of crack we had down with um, Clifton Art and the Open down in Dunmore East there. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me, did you then spend a period uh, living in a hearse in London, is I that did, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can you explain the circumstances of that? Yeah, I bought a hearse. Yeah. Yeah. You say to me as if this is the most obvious thing in the world. You're almost impatient. I bought a hearse. Yeah. What, what do you I think didn't it involves? I bought a hearse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And slept in the back of it, yeah, like yeah. in the manner of where the cap, the coffin would yeah, be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Where was it parked? It was in Camden. Right. I and suppose I just, Camden just, in those days you could do that. Or could rough you? and ready, you could do what you like. Yeah. And I didn't have a license. I didn't even have a provisional license. And what were you doing at that stage? I can bollocks drinking. Okay. Yeah. Um, you would be viewed, you would have been viewed at times by some people as kind of mad. Oh, yes. Whereas the way you tell it now, you're actually just free. Is that what you would argue? It depends who's calling who mad. <laughs> yeah. 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 I hear you. I mean, I am very... My normality is different from your normality. So who are you if you were in a position of power, you didn't like my behaviour, for example? Who are you to judge my normality against your normality? I might say in my judgment of you, which I wouldn't do, because I'm an educated man, I don't judge anybody. Yeah. And I don't expect anybody to judge me. But if I was to judge you according to my behaviour, I'd say your behaviour is incomprehensible to me. So should I use the word mad? Oh, yes, we have the biggest mental hospitals in Ireland. Yeah, and you've been in a few of them, have I you? I have, yes. 
did you end up in there under kind of unfortunate oh, yeah, circumstances? I ran in like, oh, I'm a madman. I'm a madman. <laughs> Any vacancies this evening? Are you fucking... Are you joking? Easy. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're, and uh, we won't name any particular institutions. How were your experiences in them? Did they think you were mad? Oh, yeah. Electric convulsions treatment. That's intellectual intellectual rape. Huh? Really, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that's... that's I, it's traumatic, that's I gather, vicious. yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. But you got out. I got out and it took me years to get back. My, I came out like a moron. I felt like a piece of shit. Okay. No self-worth. Yeah. You were in really? limbo land. What age were you at yeah. that stage? Yeah, 30. Yeah. Oh, so you were a young man. Yeah, yeah. And how long were you kind of... Oh, no, it's, it took me a, a long time to get the wind back in my sails because you were treated like a beast. I mean, str electric convulsions treatment, right? They're not sure how it works. It works on some people. It doesn't mm. work on other people. Yeah? So there's a metal trolley and they put a sheet of um, rubber underneath you and then... The electrodes to your head. I mean, electricity is for turning on the lights, not blowing your brain cells or trying to alter your brain cells. They don't understand to this day how it works. It might work for you. It mightn't work for them. And was the view that you had a form of a mania or psychosis? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I mean, this is one thing that I must get my solicitor to do, to ask for my records. Yeah, okay. Yeah, a family member signed me in. Okay. Now, I suppose um, you, you alluded earlier to your time in Camden and drink and everything. Drink is a part of the story with you as well, though, isn't it? But of it? course. Yeah. I'm not a hermit. I love the tomfoolery of drink and who you meet. I have no interest in drinking alone at home. I was into a bar to meet strangers and to have the crack. Yeah. And when I'm not with, when I wasn't with my present girlfriend, Vera, you never know you could get lucky. Huh? Yeah. You won't get lucky at home staring at the mirror. So it's a social It's thing social for you. interaction. And tell me, w would you ever have viewed it as becoming a problem for you? Not at all. The only problem I have about drink is that I can't get enough of it. <laughs> No, you you have though. I uh, I'm I, I read gone long periods without it. I'm reliably informed that from eighty one to ninety three there wasn't a drink taken. Is that yeah, right? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And was that were, were you were you probably I don't know were you happier or more productive or whatever in that period of life? No, I built my career as an artist. You know, I had big exhibitions during that time. Yeah? Okay, so you, so you went you became a careerist for for ten years. No, I can't. Not a, I just. Maybe, I don't know. I just. Yeah. You know. Was there any question, were you better off sober now? It's not a question of being better off or worse. Yeah. Know? Different. Different. Yeah. And yeah. how would you characterize your relationship with it now? On and off, kind of? Oh, I love a drink. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I, I mean, this is the big thing. Like they, call, they talk about COVID, right? But the, the results of COVID, all the, no, 
people non-interacting with each other. Yeah. Yeah. The psychological, I, I can deal. I am my best own company. I can deal. I love my solitude, right? Yeah. But a lot of people love talking to each other. And then they're ice, they were isolated and they couldn't go to family's funeral. I mean, the, da the damage of COVID is yet to be recognised. I, I, I agree. And I'd say I the loneliness and the suicide, uh, domestic violence, incest, God only knows the horrors of that. Yeah. And it'll never be known because all these things will be swept underneath the you know, yeah. move on. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Come here, tell me about your work. Uh, you you mentioned the, the, the pirates on the side of the wall in, in the pub in Dungarvan there and people will talk about the, the lovely bright colours and yeah. life affirming and all that and I don't know is there something wrong with me but I always thought that there's a darkness to it as well like kind of but these of course, creatures I mean, from the subconscious almost like yeah, yeah. from I mean, kind of folk or kind of folk horror almost in a way of our, our woodland history and creatures and no, all no, that no, kind no. of thing I mean it's like day and night you can't have beauty without the horror yeah if you don't, if you don't have the horror, you can't understand the beauty. I mean, you look at our our history of the famine and the amount of people that died. Even in Dungarvan, on the quayside, it was, it was full of uh, big grain stores. And it's part of the. I mean, the English are a hell of a lot to blame about the famine and all that sort of carry on. But a lot of the Irish people were exporting grain away. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of horror, you know? Yeah. I mean, aren't we so lucky? You look at the war in Ukraine at the moment, and now they're talking about putting the Ukrainians in tents in Ireland. Have we forgotten our humanity? This is tragic. Yeah. yeah. So all that, the, the horror and the, and the life is, is in there in the work. And then... The sea is a big part of it too, isn't it? You love oh, the sea, don't you? Sure, I was brought up in Helbig. That's why I have Cooper the Fucker gum. Yeah. yeah. My father had to shop in Dungarm and then a hard-working man. He had a summer house out in Helbig and I love speaking Irish. And we had great fun going to the Kaylee, the sea, you know, with a, a small Coast Guard cottage overlooking the harbour there. So I was brought up. My father was a great sailing man, you know? Yeah. Do you still sail? Oh, I love sailing. And then recently... I bought a, a sort of Formula One racing dinghy, a laser. You're about six inches from the water, right? Yeah. There's one sail on it. You put on your wetsuit, your life jacket, and I'd only go out in a force five or six when the wind is blowing, right? You capsize, you hop on the centerboard, you're in the board again, and it's self-bailing, yeah? Yeah. And you're off like a rocket. So you'd want to be fit as a flea for that, would you? Yeah. Yeah. Are you the, I am, by Are you the oldest guy in the laser scene now? I probably, I'm probably. <laughs> I'm not a granddaddy. I'm still waiting for my daughter to have a child, but she has no interest in that at the moment. Really? Has your daughter has your daughter taken the bohemian route like yourself, or is she a disappointment to you? Or no, no, she's not. A, I mean, any child isn't a disappointment. No, no, no. I'm being glib. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, what's great? She studied law for three years. Your daughter did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, law is a very good education. You know, it's brilliant. Yeah. You know, the mind, how to train the mind, how to analyze other people and blah, blah, blah. So she got bored of that. And now 
uh, she's studying art reg restoration. So if you're an old master, she's a very talented artist. She can draw and paint, right? Mm. So by studying art restoration, you become self-sufficient as an artist. You're not relying on gallery sales. Okay, right? okay. As, as a young artist, it's very difficult. A lot of people go into yeah. teaching and you get diverted. But by studying art restoration, you get very good money very quick. And then this finances okay. individual artistic endeavor. Yeah, it's gas. Some people would be saying my daughter has her law degree to fall back on. You're saying she'll always have the art restoration to fall back on anyway. Oh, no, it's yeah. brilliant. Even yeah. better. Yeah. To self-satisfaction. Yeah. Have you made a good living out of art? Or is oh, it, is yeah. It, yeah, have you? Yeah? I have. I'm a billionaire. I had, <laughs> I had, oh, jeez, I got conned. I had all my money in the cryptocurrency. <laughs> no, but really, I'm I, Gulliver. Is it a hard, is it a hard life to, to try and live as an artist? Well, of course it is. Yeah. No, I mean, Charlie Hoy, Lord Timersonum, set up Estona to celebrate the excellence of Irish creativity for writers, painters, yeah, poets, and, yeah, it's brilliant. You get a basic, if you're productive, you get uh, granted about practically 20 grand a year. But as an artist, I mean, I would spend, if I'm being really productive, Yeah. even buying art materials cheap in France and, and in Germany, you'd use up that money. But it's great, I mean, for a writer writing poetry, I mean, I can go into the local bar and drink away. Uh, at the end of the day, I could say to a man, hey, Jesus, how about reading our sketch for the tab? Not a bottle, Michael, but imagine me going into you. Uh, many of the bar men around town have a great collection of Mick Malkais. Um, <laughs> imagine how many poems they'd like to collect. Uh, Jesus, Mick, you're taking the mickey out of us now. Go away. Yeah. What are, you, what are you working on these days? Um, well, John O'Regan, another uh, Gandon editions, they're bringing out a big book, 150 color illustrations and stuff. Yeah? Mm. So, uh, all right, so that's a it's it's a gig, it, like it's a big project, okay. Uh, okay, do you feel, um, at, in your 70, your 71st year now, and you've kind of, you know, you, you should be now an elder statesman of the Irish art scene and everything. Do you feel as revered and as appreciated by the nation as you should be at this hour your life? I can't the red carpet coming into this place <laughs> and I would champagne and all I get is a week as cup of coffee. In France, if you want to piss off a coffee, you know, the people selling coffee, into posh restaurants, you say, Monsieur, excusez-moi, ton café, c'est le jus de chaussette. Monsieur, your coffee tastes like the juice of dirty socks. With that, you run out of the place before he tries to murder you. OK, listen, Mick, uh, pleasure to have you in. Thank you very much. Uh, Good luck with your future endeavours. Be uh, careful on that laser, for uh, God's sake, uh, will you? I mean, okay. Uh, thanks very that's, much. Pleasure. That's uh, Michael Mulcahy, a, a, a national institution and a national treasure, I think. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1.